0: Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors.
1: Welcome to the Cowan Future Health Podcast, a part of Cowan's fifth annual Future Health Conference held virtually this year on June 24th and 25th of 2020. Over the past five years, the Cowan Future Health Conference has brought together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare, technology, and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. My name is Ryan Blicker, and I'm an analyst at Cowen covering diabetes devices, an industry with exciting long-term secular growth. In this episode of the podcast, here to discuss the future of digital diabetes care, I'm pleased to have the CEO of GLUCO, Russ Johannesson. Welcome, Russ.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you having me.
1: Thank you for coming on. Um, Maybe before we we jump into the the detailed questions, it would be great to start with your background, you know, what was your history prior to joining GLUCO and what brought you to join the company in 2018?
0: Sure, well, I've really spent my career uh, sort of at the intersection of healthcare and consumer engagement. I started out um, in healthcare consulting, mostly strategy and operations consulting, and then over time moved into uh, technology consulting and, and digital health roles. The last couple of roles before I came to Gluco uh, included uh, five years as Chief Operating Officer of Sharecare, a digital health business uh, based out of Atlanta. And prior to that, I spent five years as the Chief Client Officer of Optum Health, which is part of United Health Group. And there, I was running um, all of sales, marketing, client-side operations for uh, for that Optum Health business. I, uh, I joined Gluco in early 2018. Uh, As I was really wanting to spend this next phase of my career working on some of the more important and more challenging issues in healthcare, Uh, I wanted a chance to leverage my skills and my experience in growing and scaling businesses, and it really just was one of those in the right place at the right time kind of opportunities. I see it and have seen it really as a chance to, uh, to make a real difference in a huge and growing uh, problem in, in the industry and despite the fact that there's been a lot of money and technology and innovation Being thrown at this problem uh, in many ways. It continues to get worse globally by a number of measures and so um, Really excited to uh, join gluco a couple of years ago and uh, it has not let me down It's been uh, quite an exciting ride so far and I think we've got a lot of great
1: uh, potential ahead of us Excellent uh, maybe maybe Picking up on one of your points on overall care, can you you talk a bit about what Gluco brings to the table to improve diabetes care today, both from a patient perspective as well as a physician perspective?
0: Sure, yeah, Um, Gluco Gluco really works to simplify a very complex disease state for patients and for physicians and and a little more recently even for clinical researchers. There are hundreds of devices, multiple treatment options that range from insulin pumps and connected insulin pens to CGMs and blood glucose meters. Um, From a a therapy perspective, there's insulins long and short acting, there's oral medications, and then there's other lifestyle type therapies where folks are managing diet and activity and exercise to try to, to manage the problem. So it's a complex condition. It's exacerbated by the fact that um, it is a chronic and progressive disease um, and it really does impact every area of, of the life of a person with diabetes. And it is often difficult to manage. So we help physicians manage this complexity by being the single kind of universal and interoperable solution that brings all of this data together from all of these devices into one single user interface. Um, and especially during this time you know, of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're also able to support diabetes care and clinical research that can be done 100% remotely without patients having to come into a clinic setting in order to be treated or, or in order to participate in the clinical trial. Um, and so this, this is um, having a lot of impact in the market right now. Uh, But overall, our solution has been in play for a number of years, and we're really the only global universal device agnostic data management solution out there uh, in the market today. And it's been widely accepted across 26 countries, 15 languages. It is deep in the workflow of these clinical practices and leveraging the connection between that clinical workflow solution and the mobile application that we offer for free to anyone uh, and we connect those two to leverage telehealth and remote patient monitoring and the sharing of data, again, outside of a clinic visit,
1: if need be. Got it. Um, maybe on that, on that point about being global, the, the merger of gluco and DiaSend in 2016, I believe put gluco ahead of any other digital diabetes tool by number of patients and physician offices, certainly at that time. There's a lot of other companies with with high patient numbers, but you clearly have the most scale and penetration within physician offices in the industry. Um, How do you think about your market opportunity? Is increasing penetration of physician offices the primary driver to future growth? And if so, how far along are you within this opportunity today?
0: Yeah, we, we really see sort of three strategic growth pillars for us going forward. Certainly, one of them, and maybe the most fundamental to support the rest of our strategies is this continued focus on aggressively growing and expanding the clinical footprint you just described. Like I said before, we're currently in 26 countries. We'll be in more than 30 by the end of the year, but there is still a lot of room for growth. Our footprint today is is concentrated in North America and Europe, a little bit in the Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, a little bit in South Africa, but there are very large um, global regions with a very high prevalence of diabetes where we have not yet entered. Think all of Latin America, India, China, Japan, major markets with with a high prevalence of diabetes where we think we can have a big impact. And those will be part of our growth trajectory over the next couple of years. We're currently exploring a couple of those markets with partners to enter into those. So that first pillar around the continued expansion of our clinical footprint, Uh, also includes deeper penetration within the existing countries that we serve today. Um, Today, uh, we are penetrated in the U.S. to the extent that we're in about 65% of the specialty endocrinology clinics in the U.S. In a couple of countries in Europe, in particular in the U.K. and Sweden and Norway, we're in nearly 100% of the specialty clinics in those markets and expanding pretty aggressively into primary care clinics in those markets as well. So, we continue to expand that footprint because it really gives us the ability to to leverage the value for the rest of what we do. Um, the second of our of our kind of growth pillars is really around enabling telehealth uh, we 've been uh, offering remote patient monitoring and telehealth solutions for a number of years um, as is true pretty much globally. The adoption of those solutions has been slower than I think anyone would have liked with You know, COVID-19 coming on uh, the actually the adoption has accelerated so rapidly, literally over the last couple of months. And we do believe that that is more of a paradigm shift that will Continue to stay at higher levels going forward. It won't stay at the level. It's been at these last several weeks, but it will come down to a new normal level, which I think will be um, much higher than it has been historically Um, So, you know, given the nature of our platform and the fact that we've continued to invest in these sort of additional capabilities it's put us in a really strong position to enable telehealth and remote monitoring from a diabetes perspective globally in many countries including the US, UK, France, Germany they've they've really leaned into creating new reimbursement channels for these types of capabilities which has made it a much different kind of value proposition for providers and health systems and now we're able to be viewed by the market as a way to expand the business side of these health systems and clinics. We actually have now, the conversation has shifted to our ability to support reimbursement and new revenue streams versus being a an expense item for what historically might've been viewed more as a data management or workflow efficiency solution. So that enablement of telehealth um, has really helped boost our business and give us some tailwinds through this. The third piece of our of our kind of our third growth pillar, is really around enabling clinical research. Uh, We've got over 13,000 clinical locations around the world and and we have this ready connected ecosystem of clinics and patients that can help researchers conduct prospective and retrospective clinical research. We've seen a, a big uptick in the interest by CROs and study sponsors, especially since the beginning of the the pandemic, as they're able to run, or in some cases, actually rescue trials in a virtual and remote fashion. We've done clinical research for a number of years. Last year, we started to see a lot more interest, and we spent the time and and focus and, and money to invest in our platform and make it CFR Part 11 compliant so we could do more research. And then with the shift to the need to support research from a virtual perspective happening so quickly, you know, uh, between sort of mid-March and today, the demand for for those services has really gone through the roof. So those are really the three key pillars for our our growth and our expansion over the next couple of years. It's expansion of that clinical footprint, it's the enablement of telehealth
1: and the enablement of the clinical research side. Interesting. yeah, that's a, an interesting point you mentioned on telehealth and the incremental potential revenue streams that could open up over time for the company. Can you, can you talk a bit about how you monetize uh, across those three pillars today, both currently and, and how you think about the long-term opportunity? Sure, sure.
0: Um, historically, we have leveraged a SaaS subscription-based model to our core solution for clinics and health systems. And then a big part of our business has been really a number of different business models, but leveraging large strategic partnerships with pharmaceutical companies, medical device companies, et cetera. Um, So we do have several different revenue streams, including what we're really leaning into now in support of these types of telehealth solutions is really a per participant per month Charge to health systems and clinics and license fees for using our clinical research platform to conduct trials or, or real world data studies. Um, the strategic partnerships that we have, uh, in some cases, we, we private label parts of our solution uh, for for pharmaceutical and device companies as well. So it's kind of a mixed bag. The piece that has really shifted more recently for us is uh, over the past two years since I've been on board, we've taken a a more enterprise approach to selling at the health system level versus sort of clinic by clinic, Uh, and we wrap other services around that including EHR integrations and digital therapeutics and more advanced analytics and the remote patient monitoring solutions. And now uh, with the shift in the opening up of reimbursement in the U.S. and frankly globally, we're really being viewed much more, as I said before, as a as a, an ability to generate new revenue streams through the reimbursement for CPT codes related to remote data management, as well as telehealth visits. And so we're seeing that per person uh, per month uh, kind of business model really helping to drive that piece, which is a better, which is an overall a better kind of win-win for our alignment with clinics and health systems
1: anyway. Interesting, yes. Yeah, it's, it's- it's fascinating to me how much the product offering has evolved over the past five years. You know, five years ago, I, I would have thought as, of, of Gluco as a company on a mission to liberate the data and remove the friction from all these devices and the friction from downloading that data during patient and physician interactions. Um, you know, increasingly, you're moving into other value-added solutions like analytics for providers the intuitive new insulin dosing tool that you've launched over the, I believe the past year or two. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about the evolution of the product offering um, and where you see the most opportunity across those different verticals o- over the next three to five years? You know, what's, what's the next major area of product innovation from Pucco?
0: Yeah, I think it really does come back to sort of those three pillars we were just talking about. Um, you're right, historically, um, you know, we were viewed as a uh, workflow efficiency data management solution, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's, and we were building a great kind of SaaS model business going after that and creating that value. I think what we've come to realize and really where the focus has been is that that's a great value and a great benefit, but from a scale perspective, leveraging that large clinic footprint, leveraging the data and the data rights related to that coming out of that and putting it to higher value uses um, is really where you know kind of the real, the real value is gonna be driven over the next few years. So we, as we look out the next couple of years, we're gonna continue in, to invest in the platform and in clinical decision support and digital therapeutics. You had mentioned um, kind of our, our insulin dosing tool. We, we did create an FDA class two cleared digital therapeutic called MIDS, stands for mobile insulin dosing system. And it's really uh, an algorithm to support clinicians in onboarding type two patients to basal insulin, very effective way. Again, leveraging really remote patient monitoring and telehealth solutions, looking at the data in between visits to help get them titrated on their basal insulin as they onboard very quickly. Keeps them in range, gets them in range very quickly avoids hyper and hypo events. It's just a much more effective and better health outcome using that. We've also used our platform, continue to use it, to allow other digital therapeutics and algorithms to essentially ride on the chassis of our platform into the clinical footprint so that we can create this sort of treatment hub and allow clinicians and care teams to select the best options for their patient population in terms of digital therapeutics and algorithms. We're not gonna create them all. We've got a partnership with a company called DreaMed, who's got a type one algorithm for insulin pump uh, setting adjustments in between visits as well. Also leveraging that same sort of remote patient monitoring technology. In addition, we're gonna continue to invest in our capabilities around enabling telehealth and remote patient monitoring. We aren't um, looking to create uh, a unique standalone Uh, telehealth solution where we cover everything from end to end including the support for a video conference between a patient and a provider. We really want to enable all of the telehealth platforms and all the remote care platforms that are out there, regardless of what mode of communication you're using. We're the data management solution underneath that that allows that data to be shared remotely by a patient from their insulin pump, their CGM, their BGM, their activity data, everything else shared with a physician, either asynchronously, or they can do it, um, you know, they can share it remotely from home, or or they can share it as part of a a real-time visit that's happening. Um, In addition, we, we will continue to invest in our ability to support clinical research. Similar to our telehealth approach, we're not looking to be a competitive CRO. We're actually the data acquisition, in some cases, patient recruitment mechanism to get um, patients for really kind of all kinds of metabolic studies uh, engaged remotely if need be, but also in clinic because we do have the solution from a clinical uh, footprint in a, in a wide number of countries and a lot of patients running through the platform so that 's really where we 're going to continue to innovate and drive the solution going forward and in many ways it's it's about the connectivity between patients and providers and it's about the data that gets generated through those to be able to leverage those for decision support for population health analytics, for business intelligence
1: purposes as well. On that point for decision support, um, you you talked about internationally moving beyond specialty endocrinologist clinics and and, and moving into primary care. Is, Is that an opportunity in the United States over time as well? And along those lines, do you see an opportunity to to provide medication recommendations uh, for, the, for the broader type two patient population prior to initiating uh, long acting insulin?
0: Sure, we do. And, and today we have um, um, a good portion of our, of our patient population is type two. It's not just a type one population. And as, as you know, more and more, uh, you know, the growth is really heavy in the type two population. If you think about the spectrum of diabetes, our value proposition definitely resonates the most and is strongest at the most intensive end of that spectrum, which would be certainly the type one patient, a lot of data generated there, leveraging myriad of devices there, but also on the insulin dependent end of the type two spectrum, clearly that's another one that we we see um, a lot of of usage of our solution and our product, much of that care at that end of the spectrum is happening in primary care clinics. And we think, for example, in the U S we're in roughly 30% of the primary care clinics, especially the big ones that treat a lot of people with diabetes. Our mobile solution actually does have value for anyone with diabetes, even if they're not on an insulin therapy, the ability to just track and manage your blood glucose levels, look at the data and insights that we push around the intersection of the data points that come in through the combination of your, your carb intake, your activity tracking, your medication adherence, even if it's oral medication and not, and not insulin therapies, the ability to look at that data, to look at that retrospectively, look at trends in those different uh, data sets uh, is really valuable to anyone who's managing their blood glucose levels on a somewhat regular basis. So we do see that piece of it. And, and again, um, our value proposition resonates the most at that more intensive end and frankly, more expensive from a medical expense end of the spectrum, but there is value that gets up in the earlier stages. We're not, uh, we're working today in, in creating some educational components to our platform. We're working on uh, something with the NHS in the UK right now, starting first with education of healthcare providers, and the second phase of that will be education of patients. So once that educational content component starts to get in there as well, that will also be something that helps us span and bridge into earlier stages of, of type two diagnosis for diabetes as well.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah maybe maybe along those lines, you I mean, just thinking about continuous glucose monitoring, CGM use today, and, and where that's going over time, you know, specifically within non-intensive type two patients, do, do you believe that over the next five to ten years, that the vast majority of those patients are going to be using CGM in some form or fashion. And does having that incremental CGM data maybe provide more of an opportunity for you to add value on the decision support side for physicians?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I do think that uh, the increase in CGM usage will continue to happen. I think it will continue to proliferate in the type 2 population as well. Um, likely not um, type two patients wearing a CGM full time, but maybe more uh, periodically uh, for a couple of weeks at a time to get some consistent data for review by their physician, but not necessarily wearing them uh, all the time. Uh, But I think that will continue to happen, especially as the price point and the, and, the, and the feature function set around CGMs, you know, the price point comes down. I think we'll continue to see that proliferating and it, it does have an impact for us. Um, the other, you know, in one very tangible way, the volume of data that gets generated and created when you shift from, you know, traditional, uh, you know, leverage of a, of a, of a blood glucose meter to, to, to measure a few times a day to getting readings every five minutes, um, has really driven just the size of our real-world evidence database exponentially. I mean, we're at 20 billion data points and growing uh, all the time because there is so much data coming through. And it it does create a different view and the ability for clinicians to have, you know, a much, I think, sharper view of what they can do to manage this complex condition. And it does allow you to start to look at um, data that can measure you know, what's happening in your everyday life, and then align that with what is happening in your episodic kind of delivery of care world as well, and kind of marrying that episodic and everyday so that you can find out what's really driving the condition. It's a complex condition. In many ways, it, it works differently for different people, and really the more data that you have and you can align that with everyday activity data, et cetera, you can really get a good sense of what it takes to manage for any individual patient going forward, so we do think that's gonna happen. We think it'll continue to, to proliferate, and we think creating more value, and I think more precision around managing outcomes
1: for patients. Fascinating. Uh, maybe, maybe moving to competition. How, how do you think about competition long-term? You know, in, in our conversations with investors, I, I think people frequently compare you to other chronic disease management vendors. Uh, although I, I think of you a bit differently as a lot of those companies like the Lavangos, Omadas, Unduos of the world are often outside of the traditional care infrastructure while Gluco is directly integrated with physicians. Who do you think of as your primary competitors and uh, would you include the device vendors who are also on your platform but, but also are increasingly investing in their own software offerings over time such as Dexcom with its Clarity software?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's one that we get all the time. And, and I think you've, you've, uh, you, you've hit it on the head that it's a space that is frequently misunderstood because of our deep integration into the workflow of the physician practices and in the patient's day-to-day management of their disease. We do have a different position uh, in the whole cardiometabolic digital health space. Um, we view those other companies um, that you had mentioned, the Longos, the Omadas, the Andros, we're very supportive. This is a big problem, a big complex problem, and I think none of us individually are going to be able to solve it. Um, we view our solution, frankly, as quite complementary to what those solutions are delivering. They're very focused on helping equip patients to do better self-management. To your point, not really connected back into – the clinical delivery system. Uh, like we think it's very important to be able to do both of those things and the more interoperability, the more connectivity, the more sharing of data between those two types of solutions, whether you're managing um, you know, employees or health plan members versus patients in the clinical system, those are the same people, right? <laughs> they're, they're at work and they're getting they're managing their their diabetes in many cases with the help of of coaches who are giving them the appropriate feedback and nudges around lifestyle behavior change, those types of things. but they are seeing a clinician and the ability to share that data back and forth we think is really important and our again our differentiation our 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 value proposition is really in managing that patient to provider connection so we think that's really important and in some ways you know we we've we've done the work and we have a unique position in the industry where we do have great partnerships with the device companies they they see the value in being a part of our universal platform it creates a lot of value for the clinics and the clinicians and they and then they're willing to you know sign a device integration agreement with us and data license agreements with us to be able to create that value for clinics and for patients and they're proprietary solutions have a lot of value as well. Most of them, not all of them, choose to create that and offer that to clinics as well to support their device. But it does become somewhat unwieldy for a a clinic to be able to manage all those different pieces of proprietary software to be able to see the data from those devices somewhat in a silo and not integrated with a bunch of other data, that includes uh, multiple device data if folks are using different devices from different manufacturers as well as activity lifestyle type behavior that we can bring in and then the data insights that we push to them as well based on the intersection of those data points so in a sense they're competitive but but we see in more cases and pretty much all cases that you know both coexist quite easily in 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 the marketplace and so we think that's valuable i do think over time it will make sense in terms of advancing the ability to really manage the condition for patients, to see more integration, more data interoperability, sharing between device companies, payers, data management platforms like ourselves, coaching programs that are helping patients self-manage um, you know, in between office visits. The more a patient can have all of those players pulling in the same direction, sharing data, I think the better off will be
1: for helping them manage the condition interesting that that makes a ton of sense um so so on those on those large industry partners that you've that you start deals with um both as investors and and for commercial collaborations companies in the med tech space like insulate and medtronic on the pharma side novo nordisk can you talk a bit about how these partnerships have helped you scale and how do they help you work towards your long-term vision sure
0: yeah no we 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 do enjoy great relationships uh with uh, most of the <laughs> nearly all of the device companies and and pharmaceutical companies that are key players in the diabetes space and so uh, as you 'd mentioned, several of those folks are investors in our business, and of course that 's um helpful for us just to capitalize the business but also uh you know they drive really valuable commercial partnerships for us. Um, they help us get go to market and they help us get into uh, kind of global expansion into countries we wouldn't necessarily have otherwise been in there. Um, and they help promote the solution as they launch their devices, their solutions, their uh, therapies into new markets. And we help support that and it brings our business into those different markets as well. So they're really an important part of our go to market strategy and they help us grow much more quickly, if you think about, for example, our relationship with Insulet, their field sales force helps put the glucose solution in many health systems and clinics around the globe. And that's a, you know, certainly a, a much bigger field sales organization than we could field on our own. We have a small direct sales force, but have, being able to leverage the uh, insulin team as well is, is, very, is very valuable for us in the expansion. And it's helped us get to this large global clinical footprint that we have today. So, you know, our partners, they're working with us to to really think about how we can make progress on the treatment of the disease, and we work jointly on clinical research opportunities, and so it's really been a very uh, rewarding, not just financially, commercially, but also in terms of having an impact and driving value in the
1: market to be able to, to work with these great partners. Got it. Um, maybe moving to a... A financial question can you talk a little bit about the capitalization of the company today anything you'd be willing to provide on on the financial performance of the company over whatever time frame you'd feel comfortable on and how you're thinking about funding needed and and your path to cash flow break even over the next several years
0: sure absolutely so so we are a business i came in a little more than two years ago and with really the mandate to start to grow and scale this business. Uh, And we've uh, kind of put in place, um, we got sort of spent the first little chunk of time getting the product and the platform kind of ready to grow and scale at an enterprise level, getting the internal infrastructure and processes ready to scale, and and maybe most importantly, getting the the right leadership team on the field uh, to help grow and scale this business. And we've started to see the benefit of that and grew over 30% on the top line from last year to this year. Despite disruptions in, in from COVID-19, we'll grow more than 30% on the top line again this year. And, and our expectation is we'll be growing at north of 50% in 21 and 22 as we go forward. So we're really starting to turn that growth curve uh, as well. At the same time, we've tried to be um, good stewards of the capital that we do have in the business. We are on a path to cash flow positive, uh, and we should hit that on a run rate basis uh, end of Q3 of next year is the trajectory that we're on right now. Um, we've been uh, we're in the middle of a capital raise right now that gives us the capital we need to get that runway. We closed. Um, uh, we've kind of broke it into to two pieces on this extension round. We did an insider round that we closed back in July, and we're open right now with a uh, uh, around for new equity investors coming in. We're trying to get closed up here over the next couple of months. And so as, you, as you'd referenced before, we've got a great group of investors, some some really supportive and great venture capital investors in Canaan Partners and Georgian Partners, and a great group of strategic investors, many of which uh, you've mentioned, uh, Noble Nordisk, Medtronic, Insulate, Samsung, Mayo Clinic, great investors, both supportive of the business financially and then some great commercial partnerships that help us drive growth in the business as well. So we're feeling pretty good about where we are. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic um, has disrupted a lot of things in the industry, but in many ways it's some, some strong tailwinds for us going forward as well.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that's a, it's an impressive acceleration off of an already pretty fast top line growth rate Um, is, is, is that increasing adoption of telehealth the primary driver? And maybe to finish up, can you provide a little more detail on that transition you referenced earlier of moving instead of being a cost center for these physician offices, you know, providing incremental revenue opportunities?
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and um, you know, if you think about the long-term trajectory of a business like ours, um, the good success and continue to have good success selling in a SaaS model into the provider side of the healthcare world. Uh, and that made up about 50% of our revenue stream. But, but over time, th- that is a very you know margin sensitive and pressured part of the healthcare system. And maybe particularly now post-pandemic as the financial situation on many of those hospitals and health systems is, is not in a great spot shut down for, for a while. So it'll take a little time to recover that. We much prefer to be in a spot to have aligned incentives around helping them grow and drive new revenue from new reimbursement opportunities that are out there. So we think that's a great opportunity, both for them to create, you know, sustainable revenue streams and for us to share in that, rather than to be an expense, an expense item. They win, we win in those situations, but um, you know, and while, while, no one would have wished for something like a global pandemic. It has actually accelerated our growth in a number of ways. And, you know, when when the pandemic broke, the first thing we did really was kind of lean into the issue and we deployed a free remote care version of our product globally. We allowed any health system, hospital, clinic, around the globe to sign up and leverage our remote care solution, no charge. Um, And the real idea around that was to be able to help continue to provide support for people with diabetes when they could not come in for a physician visit. All ambulatory visits got shut down immediately then. And this is not a a condition that can wait. Um, This isn't uh, elective uh, medical care. This is something that has to be managed. And so we made that offer free immediately, got a lot of great uptake on it, continue to get uptake on it. Over a hundred hospitals and health systems around the globe have taken us up and they continue to come in. And we think eventually, you know, once the pandemic dies down, we'll, we'll be able to um, convert those folks to a paying ver- version of our solution uh, that has all the features in it, et cetera. But that's really not the primary objective. It was to be able to make sure that we could meet the need and demand in the market to keep these patients safe because while, while people with diabetes uh, are more likely to catch COVID nineteen, if they do get it, the complications can be much worse. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure we could keep those folks um, safe. The way that solution works is that you know the patients you know are able to uh, you know we can sign up a new clinic in ten minutes, and they're able to invite their patients to download the Gluco app. They connect their account to the clinic. The patients then can sync their device with gluco and share that data with the physician and leverage the patient themselves can see the same data and analytics. Uh, And via telehealth, we can support those conversations directly with the patient in between. We've had a really good response. uh, And we really are kind of glad to be able to do our part on that. Um, Our remote syncing across all our sites has really increased by over 1000% since this pandemic hit. And with the sort of temporary relaxation of global regulations, it has made it easier to, um, to give and to receive and have paid for remote care, telehealth, et cetera. And it, we think that's gonna be more permanent as I mentioned earlier. Uh, and we continue to just track that legislation and the positive reimbursement dynamics around the world. Uh, And we think that'll be a a great boost for uh, the whole community of people with diabetes. And we think that also is going to be a strong benefit for us as those things continue to happen. Um, So it's accelerated us a lot. Uh, We think the acceleration around the adoption of telehealth in general has probably accelerated five to 10 years in the last 10 weeks. So in that way, you know, we really do think that this, this has given us a lot of strong tailwinds. We had a really strong 2019, we were enjoying a really strong start to 2020 when the pandemic hit and it did cause us to uh, step back and and really reassess the business and, and try to understand what was gonna be the impact for our customers, for our markets. Um, we took some very proactive measures to, to tighten our belts and make sure we could preserve capital in kind of an uncertain environment. Uh, but we're actually seeing you know, a lot of positive tailwinds
1: as we get through this. Excellent. I think we're, we're bumping up at the end of time here, but I, I want to thank you again for, for coming on, Russ. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.